We are privileged to have with us today Congressman Jim McGovern, representing the Second District of Massachusetts and co-chair of the House Hunger Caucus. And we are very delighted that you are going to be giving us your remarks at this special event. Welcome. Thank you, Rajul. Thank you very much uh, for the kind introduction, and I apologize just kind of a, just for air dropping in and then leaving. Uh, but we had votes that went longer than I, I thought today. So, um, but I am very grateful um, that the uh, FAO has again invited me to say a few words at the launch of the 2019 report on global food security and nutrition. I'm not sure why I keep getting invited back, but um, anyway, this is my fourth year in a row. Uh, but I look forward to this, and I really appreciate all that uh, this audience does on behalf of a cause near and dear to my heart, and that is ending hunger. Um, I, you know, I'm glad to join each of you. Um, I'm glad to join you this, this year because this report and the work that everybody does uh, on this is both individually uh, and collectively is so incredibly important. Um, I very much appreciate that this year's report, uh, the breadth of its documentation and analysis, reflects a rich and valuable collaboration between the FAO IFAD, UNICEF, WFP, and the WHO. Sadly, uh, once again, uh, the 2019 report shows that food insecurity is on the rise for the fourth year in a row, and that's the bad news. The good news is that the increase was not as pronounced as the past three years, and at least one news article described it as global hunger stable. I have trouble with that terminology. Um, for those who suffer from hunger, from food insecurity, whose children suffer from malnutrition and undernutrition, there's nothing stable about their situation. And we can't turn a blind eye or a deaf ear to the fact that what is stable in their lives is suffering. Last year's report, the 2018 report, brought out so brilliantly how the increases in hunger and food insecurity are being driven by war, conflict, natural disasters, and climate change things that human beings inflict on the planet and on one another, which means they are also things that we can change. This year's report also indicates that these drivers have not abated. Hunger continues to rise in Africa, parts of the Middle East, and in Latin America and the, Car and the Caribbean, mainly due to conflict and to climate shocks. But what I like about this year's report is that it also places hunger and food insecurity in the context of local, national, regional, and global economies. The report asks us to look beyond hunger. Uh, look at what is happening to the, to the economies of, of nations and communities. Look at what is happening to the global economy. And look at who benefits, who suffers, and why. Uh, we can't find answers. We can't design strategies to address, lessen, and hopefully eradicate hunger, food insecurity, malnutrition, and undernutrition without asking who benefits, who suffers, where are the inequalities and why? You know, more than a quarter of the world's population struggles to eat safe, nutritious, and enough food. And that includes 8% of the people in, uh, in, in, in North America and Europe. And I'm grateful that the 2019 report, for the first time, takes a hard look at people affected by moderate food insecurity and has identified obesity as a global problem, one that's growing. Moderate food insecurity affects people who have had to reduce the quality or quantity of what they eat due to lack of money or other resources. Now, I'm sure our panelists uh, will be talking about these intersections between economic inequality and the unequal access to safe nutrition and adequate food. 
conflict, violence, lack of food due to climate change, lack of opportunity due to economic inequality. We know these are drivers of the massive refugee and migration flows taking place around the world. And as an aside, I just returned from a visit to our border uh, and saw firsthand uh, what is happening there. And quite frankly, it is heartbreaking. Um, uh, and I interviewed many of the migrants uh, who are uh, being held uh, and many of the migrants waiting to try to apply for asylum in the United States and Mexico. Uh, and uh, it's not just violence uh, that people are fleeing, although a big chunk of them were fleeing violence. I mean, there are issues related to climate change. Uh, there are issues related to the fact that these economies in so many of these Latin American countries have failed. Uh, and, uh, and quite frankly, as a United States Congressman, um, I think we owe it to these people who are coming to our border who are fleeing very unstable conditions to be more welcoming. Uh, than we have been. Um, what is happening there is um, And we know that the inequality and violence against women and girls also drive families to flee their homes and their homelands. We know that families who have no hope of sending their kids to school, getting them health care, or putting food on the table will leave their communities in search of a better place a better life for their children. And that is something all of us should be able to understand. Because uh, I would do that, and I'm sure that you would as well. So we need to look at, at, at those causes of hunger and food insecurity, those causes of undernutrition and malnutrition. And since nothing is more driven by man-made policies than economic priorities and markets, then we at least know that it's within our means and our power to change them, adjust them, in small ways and large, targeted and general. You know, in a time that has never been so rancorous, uh, uh, we need to be generous and we need to be more inclusive. And while it's altruistic to behave in such a manner, quite frankly, it's in our own best interest uh, and our own best bottom line. Healthy, educated, productive populations are always better economically and politically than the opposite. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. But I appreciate the hard data and analysis this report brings to that discussion and that debate. I also want to note that the almost simultaneous release of the report by the UNDP, the UNDP and the Oxford Poverty and Human Development Initiative, the 2019 Global Multidimensional Poverty Index, Illuminating Inequalities, really backs up and fleshes out the findings of the 2019 FAO report. So all of this makes me even more committed uh, to, the, to the fight to maintain and increase U.S. funding for our bilateral and multilateral global food security and nutrition programs. And it's gratifying to know that at a time when there is so much bitter partisan conflict in Congress, there appears to be bipartisan support, strong bipartisan support for these programs that address agricultural production, food security, child nutrition, and humanitarian relief. And whether you're looking at the McGovern Dole program, uh, food for Peace or Feed the Future, each of them received increases uh, in funding in the House Appropriation Bill this year. Uh, and they were not, you know, subjects of contentious debates. Although there were a few people in this administration who uh, need to understand these programs better when they submit their budgets to Congress. But in Congress, there is bipartisan support for these programs. And that's in large measure, quite frankly, due to you. Uh, and it's in, in large measure due to the fact that you provide us with the real hard data. It is important uh, so that people understand uh, what, it, what the reality is. 
but I, but I, I also say I think it's also a reflection of members of Congress recognizing how important these programs are and that they make a real difference in the world. So I thank all of you for your work. I thank the FAO and its partners for this report, and I look forward to learning more about how climate, conflict, and economic slowdowns and downturns have, have driven over a quarter of a billion people into the state of food, food insecurity, and more importantly, uh, what we can do about it. And let me just say in conclusion, and I say this because I'm a politician, um, and I say this all the time because um, I really believe it, um, hunger is a political condition. I mean, we, I mean, we know what we can do to fix it and to solve it. Um, but it, 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 I, at least my sense, as somebody who's in the United States Congress, it doesn't get the priority that it deserves. I mean, we're doing better in terms of funding, and that's a good thing. But quite frankly, to solve this problem, it requires more than just modest increases uh, in, in some of these programs that we know work. I mean, we need a holistic approach. We, this needs to be on every economic summit agenda. Uh, this needs to be front and center at every meeting of uh, multi-nation meeting. Um, and it is something, quite frankly, that all of us, Democrats and Republicans here in Washington um, and around the country, ought to be talking about on a regular basis. It would be helpful as we enter another presidential campaign for somebody to ask a question on this, given the fact that the problem is so enormous. You know, what is the plan to solve this problem? Um, it would be helpful uh, if in con congressional races and, and races for the United States Senate, these issues were raised. I don't expect people to necessarily come up with the absolute blueprint on how we solve all this, but at least we need to get people to start thinking more of this and understanding uh, that this is not just a nice thing to do because, you know, we're all good people. Uh, this is in our interest, and that you know that that the, the support for these programs uh, is is all throughout the country, uh, and all throughout the world, quite frankly. Uh, and so um, we also need to have a strategy on how we push the politics uh, of this issue more forcefully uh, and more directly. And uh, you know, I, I when we have these discussions, oftentimes I always remind my colleagues, who sometimes are reluctant to support some of these programs that, you know, I, I've never ever heard a member of Congress ever say that they're pro-hunger. Um, but sometimes, you know, based on votes and priorities, you, you start to wonder. Um, I mean, this needs to be a, we, 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 we need not to make this a partisan issue, but we need to understand that there, this is a political issue uh, and that we need to figure out how to get the politics on this better. Uh, because I don't want to just tread water, you know, or, be able to celebrate a modest increase in food insecurity and hunger, you know, we want to come here and say we are going in a very different direction and that we are moving toward a day where we can eradicate this problem uh, once and for all. And if we do that, it's not only the morally right thing to do, quite frankly, from our perspective here in the United States and from every other nation perspective, it is in our own national security interest as well. So I thank you for this report. I thank you all here. I, I see a lot of people I know in this audience. I admire all the work that you do. I want to thank you for doing that, and um, I, um, I pledge to do what I can to continue to raise these issues in Congress. So thank you very much for having me.